And we are live. Welcome everyone. My name is Nikki Lopez of Nikki Lopez Creative. And you're watching The Circle where every first and third Tuesday of the month, I'm talking to artists, activists, entrepreneurs, people doing great things in the world today. And today we have a very special guest, Cherie El Greer. Thank you for joining us. Hey. Yes. yes. So, and today is also, we're in June. So June is the month of pride and we are proud out and happy. And so we just Hello. gonna do the damn thing. <laughs> Hello, yes indeed. Yes indeed. Happy yes, pride. Indeed. Happy pride, absolutely. So as we are starting to get online, we are live on a couple of places. So we're live on Facebook under Nikki Lopez Creative, the group, The Circle. Um, we're live on uh, my personal profile. We're also live on YouTube. And after we finish this, by the end of the week, it will be available on the regular podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. So please tune in. Um, we have some, oh, and we're also live on Periscope. We have Soul Sacrifice saying happy Pride Month. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. I forgot. You know, Periscope, they're saying um, it's with Twitter. Oh, okay. Um, and it used, before the lives on Facebook, it was on Periscope, but, you know, Facebook does what it do. All I do is jack it. They swallow people's technology. Oh my gosh, so badly, so badly. So, um, but I'm glad that there's still a couple, it's still up and so as long as it's there, but at some point I do know Periscope is going away. So you definitely wanna watch out for that. So, <laughs> she's laughing. <laughs> But thank you for being on Periscope with us tonight. So let's just dive in. I'm going to just read a quick little bio. Uh, Cherie L. Greer is a writer, artist, and teacher living in Tampa, Florida. She founded the Kitchen Table Literary Arts Center to support the work of Black women and women of color writers. Her books include Let the, Lovers be, Let the Lover Be, A Return to Arms, once and Future Lovers, and a student writing guide, Stop Writing Whack Essays. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, man, I probably needed that when I was in college. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, you know, let's just dive in, you know, and get this started while, you know, yeah, and yeah, if you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, please consider, you know, joining, you know, sharing this link um, to the, your circle and, you know, getting this all in here. So, um, Cherie, yes, what started your writing journey, your creative journey? My writing journey. So I used to write a lot when I was a kid and it was funny because I just, I, I recently, and I, I don't know if it's recently, we'll just say in the last maybe 10 years or so, I got my mom's record collection. She finally gave up the goods, right? And so as I was, you know, cleaning the records and starting to organize them, I noticed on some of the jackets that there's scribbles, like just on some of the liner jackets and stuff. And I asked my mom about it. She's like, yeah, you used to pretend you were writing in cursive, um, but it's just swirlies. And then there's a couple album covers that has like, names from the family and then like tree and dog, like I'm practicing my sight words or something on the album. And I'm thinking to myself like, well, I don't know why I didn't just get some paper, but that's neither here nor there. So, so the beginnings of my writing, I, I think I was just always writing. I used to write 
um, stories when I was bored. I used to write a lot of poems of apology because I got in trouble a lot. Um, and so wait, did that help you out of any trouble? Like, here's no, a poem. No, and it was always after the whooping too. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like you need to work on your timing. But uh, yeah, I, I can't think of a time in my life where I wasn't writing. Mm. Uh, but my my journey in earnest to becoming the writer I am today uh, happened uh, the the my last semester of undergrad at Marquette University. Um, I had some leftover credits, so I took my I, I minored in English and uh, majored in IT and HR. So I got a business degree, um, and I'm so I minored in English, and then I had some credits at the end of you know my last semester. So I took. I had taken all the literature courses, so I took a creative writing class. And after that class, I was like, oh shit, this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing. But you know, I it was the it was my my last semester of undergrad. So I'm about to graduate with a whole ass business degree. And I just realized that I wanted to be a writer. And so um you know, I I did the I did the the good thing, the right thing that felt at the time. I took a consulting job with a tech firm and tried to write on the side as a hobby. Um, I met a friend who was a journalist um, down here in Florida. Uh, my company had moved me to Florida, and she was a journalist for the St. Pete Times. And we had a writing group of two. It was just me and her. And so the first time we exchanged work, she was like, Cherie what the hell are you doing? Like, you should be doing this. And so she kind of encouraged me to look at ways to center writing. And I ended up applying to grad school. Um, and uh, the my friend, Bonita Newton, uh, she passed away suddenly uh, right before I started grad school uh, for my MFA. And so I, I, I love telling the story because I love thinking about her and I love like sharing that story um, and what feels like might be part of her mission while she was here was was mm. to, was to do some of this and and encourage. Oh man, that just gave me goosebumps. Just yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. so I think her all the time, and I thank her all the time for. Mm. I mean, she you know she changed my life. She changed my life. Mm. Mm. Wow, and we have a couple of uh, comments. We have soul sacrifice saying, "Oh wow." Uh, we have Tabitha Mudra, all the claps for a business degree. Have you pulled on what you learned in your business degree into your writing journey? Tabitha, girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I did not know. I did not know. So, because for a while, I bemoaned my business degree. I was like, man, if I could have just, if I was going to be a writer, I wish I could have just started writing out the gate. Um, but as I began my, my journey as writing as a career and I realized how ahead of the curve I am in terms of what I can do with technology, uh, with that IT background, like I've done all my own websites, both mm -hmm. my own and my organizations. Um, I have, you know, I be pulling from the, the marketing that I remember, um, and so I, I I feel like I use it all the time, mm -hmm. and so I'm thankful for that nonlinear journey to where I am now. So yes, that that business degree put me ahead in some ways that I didn't 
I didn't recognize for a long time, but I'm incredibly thankful for it now. That's awesome. And we have, a, I, I might miss up the name. We have Ta Noon Nobhu, same peace, Nikki, and uh, True Peace Cherie. Thank you for joining us. Uh, my apologies if I messed up the name a bit. Um, so, so jumping back to the um, some of the questions, I, I saw that you made the distinction of writer and artist. What's the distinction or difference for you? I think I think right now I'm just trying out different shit because I used to just say writer, 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 writer. Um, mm -hmm. But I I've been encouraged, and I think it's from hanging out with more artists mm -hmm. and, and also having like deep relationship with artists in other mediums. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, I don't, I'm, I'm feeling like writer can, can be too much of a box. Mm -hmm. But then I'm like, well, maybe it doesn't have to be because writers are artists. Mm -hmm. So do I have to separate them? I don't know. I'm trying it out. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also trying to kind of lean into some of my other artistic aspirations and interests um like uh photography and um you know i sketch sometimes not very good but um just trying to think trying to trying to think of my writing as a way um to just feel freer and i think maybe adding the word artist is helping me feel a little freer as a as a writer uh, but i did there's this um poet um anastasia renee who i met um at a conference once and she she suggested I use text-based artists and so I was using that for a while mm. um, which also felt kind of expansive so I don't know I feel, I feel like I'm just I'm just trying it out for a bit and it feels good um, to kind of stand in and and and, and claim artist as an identity mm -hmm. um, as something separate separate but also complementary to my writing. And you know, and I liked that when I saw that I was really intrigued by that distinction because even though writing is an art form, not every piece of writing is art. You know, if someone's right. writing about right. you know, a barbershop, that's not really an artistic piece. And then even yeah. you know, just me as a visual artist and I remember and a curator, I remember last year um working with you to uh, do my first critical writing of an exhibition. Yeah. And it was, I was so happy that you got it because I know many writers, but I'm like, okay, I need a writer who understands art and the art language and all those things. And that's going to be something that's more in line of what I need and how to showcase the work. So I loved the piece that you wrote and everything like that. It's, I, I really like that you said that because I do a lot of writing work that is not art. Um, a lot of my freelance work uh, for clients, I do writing that's not art. Mm -hmm. However, I, and I'm a I'm a borrow this. I'm a definitely you know attribute it to you. I do believe that my approach to writing, even the non-art stuff, is informed by the art. Mm -hmm. And so I think I think I'm gonna take this as a vote to keep artists in the title. And I love yeah. doing that catalog essay. Like I love <laughs> it so much. And I was like, how can I do more writing like this for people? So um, <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of fun. It was so much fun. Um, yeah, I did a research. 
mm-hmm. um, spend time with the with the with the pieces, mm-hmm. with the connections and intersections. It was it was a lot of fun. And I have to, since especially since I'm bringing that up, I have to give credit to an artist friend in California, by out, by out of Jamaica, Yerne Gabon. Um, he's someone that I met several years ago doing um, a symposium and some design work um, for um, Xavier University and CCH Pounder, and we just clicked ever since. And so he's a little further along in his career, in his artistic career, and he said, okay, you have to take your exhibitions to the next level. And every time you do an exhibition, you need at least one critical art piece. So that was my first time. And I'm like, ooh, I have to figure out to do this on all of them. So I really have to give him that credit to throw that bone to me to, to elevate what I'm doing. Because like you said, we're all exploring yeah. and seeing what fits. And you know, I'm also coming from this, you know, that non-traditional, like, you know, learn as I go, explore, expand as I'm doing it. So yeah. I appreciate when people who may be doing the same thing or maybe a little further along to say, hey, this is what you do to nudge it up a little bit. So, and mm-hmm. I appreciate that writing. I'm definitely going to be doing um, some more um, work with you. I'm looking forward to that. Absolutely. Um, and then we see, we have a couple of questions. Oh, tap of the saying. So everyone go out and grab a quick business degree. <laughs> you know For real. You can, you can learn about anything on YouTube now. Yeah. You ain't got to. You ain't got to go uh, give nobody a hundred thousand dollars. Now mm-hmm. you can, there's enough books and videos, but yeah, you can DIY business degree. You can do it. You no. Know, um, some years ago, my uncle told me, he said, take a degree that you want, get the syllabus and, uh-huh. and research all of those videos on YouTube. Yep, and- yep. <laughs> Let me holler at your reading list right there. <laughs> Uh, also, uh, Cherie, I was excited to learn about you. You're just as colorful as I imagine. I also am a photographer, filmmaker. If you ever have any questions or collaborations, keep creating. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yes, yes. Uh, who are some of your influences? Man, I got so many. I, uh, I got too many because I got, of course, I got, you know, the the, the kind of the folks that almost everybody has, um, mm-hmm. particularly if you're a writer. So like Audre Lorde and Toni Morrison and James Baldwin and, you know, Patricia Smith and Jacqueline Woodson, like Lucille Clifton, uh, Claudia Reagan, you, you, like all the regulars. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think to add to that, and, and again, I guess this is related to um, trying to see my art making as expansive as possible. Um, I am deeply, deeply inspired um, by Michelle Indiocello, mm. um, uh, Maxwell, uh, Zanel Mahuli, which is my favorite uh, photographer. Um, thinking about how, like, I write to music like all the time, um, and so I'm just, I'm just deeply inspired by artists like across across uh, mediums and approaches and always and I'm always looking to learn more. So um I'm also I'm I'm low-key obsessed slash high key obsessed with Kiese Lehman um mm-hmm. and uh Alexis Pauline Gums. Both of those are living, breathing, churning out incredible work as artists who mm-hmm. if you ain't reading them like 
start tonight. <laughs> and I see Self-Sacrifice, who is also a singer and a writer. She's published. Nice. She's agreeing with some of the, the, the people that you said. So. Word, word. Uh, Tabitha says, ooh, can we get these deep favorites in writing? <laughs> yes, yes. I will share them. I will share them uh, in the comments on the circle page. Okay, yes. And on yes, YouTube. Yes. I'll drop them in both places. Mm -hmm. I'll make a note right now. Yeah, that would be awesome. What type of writing do you do? Um, so I, I started in fiction. And so, and I, I truly adore writing fiction. Um, it's fun mm -hmm. and challenging. But lately, I've been writing a memoir, which is not really fun. <laughs> and um, it's, it's probably some of the most difficult writing I've ever done. Mm -hmm. um, I'm used to using fiction to you know, play on the page to um, dive in and out of characters that may or may not have pieces of me. Um, but with memoir, like it's me. And when I say I did or said something, like I did or said it, you know, I'm not lying. <laughs> when I say my mama said, or my pop said, or my sister was there, or my other sister was there, I'm talking about the people. Mm -hmm. And that is scary because I haven't always been comfortable with vulnerability. It is something that I'm learning to embrace as a strength instead of uh, a weakness. Um, and so I still write fiction because it's fun. I have a, 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 I have a fiction story coming out in Obsidian, uh, Obsidian's next issue. I have a, um, uh, a short story up with uh, Creative Penelis, The Rookery, where I actually read it as well. Um, if you can find that, it's called um, Ghostbusters. So I'm still writing fiction, uh, but I'm digging into memoir and nonfiction uh, right mm -hmm. now. And it feels like the kind of creative stretch that I need mm -hmm. to push myself out of my comfort zone and, and become a better artist and a better human probably too. Mm -hmm. I have some future pending writing that might be asking some questions. <laughs> uh, we have Soul Sacrifice, which is the name of her book, um, which is also a memoir. Uh, it's hard to relive your story. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. And then we have Jasmine saying, yes, vulnerability. Hey, Jasmine. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, you know, um, and I'm not saying like I, I have it together either, but a lot of times vulnerability is something that people feel is scary and a sign of weakness, but it's really a sign of strength that you could tap into yeah. um, when, we, when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable and, and dive in and dig in. And I think we connect more when we're able to do that, when we could just lay our ego, lay our whatever to the side and be vulnerable and open. Absolutely. But, but like all the messages is like, don't do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Especially as black women too, we're mm -hmm. encouraged to be strong and show up for everybody and never be tired and never be irritated, never be angry, never be sad. Um, and uh, sometimes, you know, don't even be joyous, like come do the work and then keep it pushing. Mm -hmm. And so to, 
to reclaim vulnerability, especially as a black woman. Mm. I think it's so important. So important. Absolutely. Jasmine saying, hey, <laughs> um, we have a question from Albert. How does your writing make you a better human? Oh, um, I think because if if you're a writer who is like really trying to do the work, it requires that you wrestle with yourself, your perspective, other people and their perspectives. And if you're trying to capture something really special to get it on the page, it's got to go through your head and your heart. And I think anytime you commit yourself to wrestling with um, head and heart things, I don't know that you come out on the other side without being changed. And one can hope you would be changed for the better. You don't necessarily have to change for the better. You can, you know, go into some work and come out bitter um, or, you know, or, or, you know, you can destroy yourself with your art, which we see artists do. A lot of artists destroy themselves through their art. I'm more interested in how we use art and how we engage with our art in a way to um, improve, in a way to heal, in a way to invite and encourage. Um, you know, my, my goal is to be creating art for a very, very, very long time. Um, and if that's my plan, I cannot go into my art um, and self-destruct. I've got to go into my art and come back, come out of it, you know, stronger and fuller than when I went in it. And so that's, I feel like, and I feel like the same is true for people who choose to engage in art, uh, whether that's through reading, um, watching, you know, watching films, watching, you know, looking at art. Uh, going to performances, like truly transformative art happens. Mm -hmm. And if that art can transform the artist and the viewer slash reader, then I don't know if you, then, then you're really on to something, I think. Then you're really on to something. Absolutely. And I think this was a comment from a little bit early when I was when we were talking about vulnerability. Uh, true, Nikki, you never know who you could have, could be helped by your truth. Reminder, right. absolutely. Right. And she said, that's the challenge. And uh, oh, <laughs> Tabitha, all the claps. She just comes up with these <laughs> six stages of wow to all of that answer. Read, make nice. a better human, go in and come out stronger. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you want the reader or listener to get from your work? Oh. That's a really tough question because um, I'm, you know, I'm so engrossed in my works in progress right now that I don't even know what I'm trying to get out of it just yet. So it's hard to know what I hope the reader will get out of it. Um, but I, but I feel like it's it's connected to to my my answer to the to the previous question. Like I, my hope is that my hope is that folks can find something of value in my work. And my hope is that they can see something of themselves or someone they love in the work. Mm. And it helps to just expand and create more, more love and compassion 
and vulnerability and understanding in the world. Like I, I it that's I, I feel like that's the thing. Like I, I I want I want readers to go through this journey with me, recognize something um, that can feel familiar and that can feel um, affirming, mm -hmm. and then use that in the way that they're looking at themselves and then and the folks in their life. Mm -hmm. um, I guess that's my hope. And I love that you said you want them to go through the journey with you. For sure. Um, I think that's really important to kind of underline because sometimes when we're trying to find our way, we have this ideal and perfectionism that says, let me get good first. <laughs> you know, but the thing is, you know, we get good as we're through the journey. When you get comfortable in that journey and not the destination, not that end goal. And people want to follow along. People, you know, I mean, even sometimes people come up to me and say, oh, wow, I was at one of your shows 13 years ago and what you're doing now is totally different. And then sometimes if we wait for that perfection, it never comes because perfection comes from the journey. Right, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, yeah, for sure. Because it's, it's um, a, a writer friend of mine, uh, Maude Newton, I met her uh, during a residency at Yaddo. And when I was starting to like really dig into some of my memoir work, I was getting nervous and I'm still, I still have a little anxiety around um, infusing some of the research into the writing um, and like confidently and fully sharing my perspective on what I've read and what I found. Um, and she, she mentioned, so I, I shared that anxiety with her and she wrote me back and she was like, um, basically like, if you invite the reader to like, to travel through your musings, to travel through your inquiry with you and your discoveries with you, it can help you avoid, you know, that she called it that throat clearing voice where you feel like I'm not here to teach you anything or to tell you that I'm smarter or better or or anything like that. Like I'm inviting you um, to and especially with this memoir work, I'm inviting you to see all of these tender parts and all of these shadows and navigate them with me um, mm -hmm. and hopefully when we come out of it, me as the writer and you as the reader, we can stand in the light. So it's like, it's so we're together. It's a journey and we're going together. Mm -hmm. And um, I, th I feel like that's what excites me most about, about writing um, and, and, and having that in mind as I'm writing. So, mm -hmm. so Sacrosite said, uh, dropping jewels, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So I would love, love, love if you could share one of your pieces. I know you do writings and essays and poems, anything, but if you could share a little piece that would, you know, really be awesome. So you you came to the In Tandem show. Um, and the In Tandem show, for those of you who don't know, was an art exhibition uh, curated by Taina Derville um, and uh, kind of co-presented with me and my good friend Kyla Naima Nardine, who's also a friend of yours, Nikki, mm -hmm. um, and collaborator of yours. And uh, in the show, we 
<clears throat> we had visual artists create visual works and then writers responded to those visual works. But then also the writers created original work to which the visual artists responded to. Uh, it was an amazing show. It was the first time I saw my writing in a gallery alongside visual art pieces. Uh, just a beautiful experience. And so I used the opportunity to lean into uh, writing a bit, um, writing a bit differently than I usually do, uh, which is primarily prose. And so I wrote uh, a poem for the show, and I'm going to read. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it. It's a it's a short one. Okay. Um, it's called 1111. You beautiful just sitting. You earned your rest lifetimes ago. Was born with sighs and sleep and quiet times in arrears. Go ahead and collect what you are owed. Just sit, just breathe, just be beautiful. You don't have to struggle for nothing. What's yours is yours and can't nobody keep it from you. Take it when, if you want. It's right there, right where you sit, wherever you stare. Settle them hips, relax them shoulders, love your way through your own skin. You worth your weight in blackness and blackness is brighter, softer, more complex than gold. You infinite as the universe is stacked up and layered, overlapping and tumbling from this time to that. What you want to do? Sit a while, breathe, be beautiful. Mm. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, oh, we have Kaula in the Facebook group. She's saying, hey. <laughs> <laughs> And Dylan, uh, Anastasia, say, I love this. All right, now. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I think that's Kaula again. Uh, oh, Bobby Tinico saying, uh, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, a couple of people. I need <laughs> all of this. Thank you. <laughs> you <are> emojis. <laughs> right? I'm here for it. We got all the care faces and the hearts and the, the claps. Yeah, right. Kyle said, I love a shout out. More importantly, I love working with thoughtful, like-minded people. Absolutely. absolutely. And uh, Jasmine, beautiful. What a gift to hear you read this. Ja so yes. Jasmine, Jasmine is an incredibly talented poet. She was also in the In Tandem show. Mm -hmm. uh, she responded to work by Chastity Pascoe. And um, Jasmine is always encouraging me to lean into my poet self. So mm. I, take, I take that and, and I hold that in my heart. Um, so I really appreciate that coming from her. We have some claps from Angel Pittman Blessings. And then we have, this is the Facebook group. Oh, Damon Jones. Very nice. Thank you. Damon right. from Afro Pride Federation. Nice. <laughs> um, so I'm um, okay. Let's see. Oh, we have a, que a question from Kaula. How do you feel about working with folks who are on the other side of your way of thinking? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, mostly I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's better than what came to mind. <laughs> I'm not here for that. <laughs> I don't think that's part of my mission. I don't. I don't think. I don't think that's part of my mission. I have not taken on 
the challenge of trying to, uh, you know, actively wrestle people for, you know, changing their mind. I mean, it's if you want everybody to be free, right? And everybody means everybody, we can work together. If you got all these like preconceived notions and caveats to your definition of freedom, then we're not going to work together. So I don't, and I feel like folks who don't think and feel the way I do, they don't want to work with me either. So then we, <laughs> so we, <laughs> we all good. <laughs> Oh my God! Yes, yes. Uh, oh, Jasmine saying yes. You a poet? Love you. <laughs> so sacrifice with the emojis. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love emojis. <laughs> oh my God! What is something that people may not readily get from your work? Oh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, that's a really good question. I I don't know. I'd have to ask a reader or something that question. Okay. I'm not sure. Cool. I'm not sure. So we have also uh, Damon again saying, "Oh, you got to be aware of disruption." I know it's there, but I don't engage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not here to engage. See, and that's the thing. Like, there are people whose mission it is to try to convert. There's people whose who's, who's goal is to, is to, you know, I'm here to change hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. That's not necessarily my goal. If it happens, awesome. I'm here for it. If somebody within the, the, in the distance of my voice, hears my voice, reads my work, and it shifts something in their way of thinking, that is great and amazing, and I'm thankful. Um, but I I feel like part of my mission is to is to, you know, to to stand up and to to just shine my light, who I am, what I believe in, um, what I would like to see in the world. Just me being that, and then the folks who are looking for me can find me, and then we can work together. Um, that engaging and 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 fighting that fight is is some people's mission and i support those people too you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying um but i don't i don't feel like that's that's part of why i'm here so mm -hmm. i'm aware of it and i support it mm -hmm. um, and i and i encourage and i encourage folks who who are here and who feel like that's their mission do it because we need it Mm -hmm. But also know that there's some folks whose mission is a little different, mm -hmm. um, and it takes all of us. It's going to take all sides. Mm -hmm. It takes all sides. Absolutely. Um, and so, so sacrifice. I believe you find your tribe. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and I think that's definitely something that I resonate. There is part of me that I do feel my part of my mission is to educate and share. At the same time, being in that vibration that, you know, I'm unapologetically taking up as much space as I can for for myself and for others. And I'm, you know, attracting those people who are, you know, 
let's do this. Because <laughs> yeah. when you do that, Nikki, too, consider this. So, you know, I'm a teacher. I've been a teacher for over a decade. Um, at the college level, I've worked with young people. I continue to work with adults and young people through creative writing workshops and, and things like that. Um, I work in my community. I show up as me 100% every time. And if somebody who is who doesn't share the vibe that I'm on, if they find themselves in my vicinity, that means they already open a crack for some of the good stuff. You know what I'm saying? So come on, come all the way through if you want. I'm gonna be here, I'm gonna be sharing, I'm gonna be supporting folks that are sharing. And if you really want to, to, to help change the world and, and help it feel, you know, just better, stronger, more inclusive, if you want everybody to get free, come on. Mm -hmm. come on. Absolutely. Come on. And Damon said, I agree. Thank you to the question. Um, so I have a comment and then a question. So we have Albert. Oh, thanks, Albert. What isn't readily recognizable is Cherie's passion for change beyond self. Self-affirmation is on the forefront, but underneath is social change across the board. Thank you. I needed to hear that. I needed to hear that, Dr. Fire. Thank you very much. <laughs> I needed to hear that. Absolutely. And see, and this is what I really love about the circle. Like it goes on the podcast and people can listen to it, but having people on while we're talking, you get that. You get that. Yeah. You get, oh, I don't know. Hey, throw in lifeline. Thank you and so I, much. And I needed to hear that. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> It's somewhere. <laughs> uh, so we have Tabitha with a question. Do you, uh, do you, or how do you structure your writing, particularly your memoir? Um, I do, I do whatever works for the project. So um, I have outlined extensively sometimes, especially when I'm on deadline. Um, I use note cards to help organize thoughts. Um, I will print out drafts and move them around on, on the floor to, you know, figure out things. Um, I, I do whatever the work is asking me to do. So with uh, my memoir, it hasn't been as structured. Um, I mostly started from, um, I started from kind of thinking thematically about what it is I, I wanted to explore. I ended up exploring my challenges with alcohol abuse and my relationship with my father um, and my family at large. Um, and so what came out of that were deeper questions about substance abuse, about addiction, um, about legislation around it, around uh, neuroscience around it, um, social, social constructs around it, like all these psychology. So it has led me to a lot of research in addition to kind of mining my memory for those moments that that feel relevant to that. Mm. Um, and the way that the, the memory and the research have been dancing around each other has been a point of frustration for me. Uh, because the stuff about the memory comes out hard and fast and I can get it on the page and then I can, I can start, um, start wrestling with it and, and, and reckoning with it and seeing 
you know, what is it, what is it about this memory? What is it about this story or this moment that is important? Um, and so now I find myself with all these notes from my research, like journals of notes of research, note cards and post-its and dry erase boards with, you know, names and dates and, and laws and uh, graphs and things. And mm-hmm. so now my, my challenge is trying to figure out how, how to, instead of them dancing around each other, I need them to embrace and like do a waltz or something. Like I need them to get together on mm-hmm. a dance floor. And I'm, I'm not quite sure how to do that just yet. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's the work I'm doing now. So whatever the work demands of me to get that going, I'm just gonna have to go all in. If that's more outlining, if that's you know just more drafts, free writing, whatever it is, I just I'm gonna have to I'm gonna just have to listen to the work and and do what it asks me to do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And we okay. Have, okay. Thank you for sharing your process. Love and many of the themes. Yeah. So we have a, a question from Kaula. And and if you're in the Facebook group, the, the names doesn't show for some reason. So, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm checking them each time. Uh, change in and out. So many different hairstyles I've seen. Does your physical expression relate at all to your writer headspace? Mm, I wouldn't say my writer headspace. But I do, um, Kala asked that question. Mm-hmm. Kala, Kala um, was the one who introduced me to the quote, uh, a woman who cuts her hair is a woman about to change her life or something like that. And mm-hmm. so um, I, have, I have been through a lot of different hairstyles and I feel like a lot of it has been, has been just trying to, to, find, to find myself and how I want to show up. And um, I struggled with that a lot, particularly as a teenager and a young adult in my twenties, very much tied to not being out. Um, And um, once I, the first time I cut my hair and went natural, it felt fantastic. Um, And then I got dreads and that was fantastic. I hate combing my hair. And so (laughs) anything I choose is gonna be like real laid back and, and easy to maintain. But I had a really, really shitty year in 2019. Um, I had my dreads, uh, I, I wanna say like nine years. And I had I just had a shitty year in 2019. I had some health challenges. Um, I was just coming out of one, one of the best times of my life, which was um, coming off of a sabbatical. I had a sabbatical where I was able to dig into my creative work. And so I was just coming out of that and going back into the drudgery of my day job. Um, and then had these health issues hit where I had to end up getting some surgeries, like two in one year. Hmm. And so when I came out of that in January, 2020, my plan was to cut my dreads when I turned 40 anyway, but I, my birthday's in September. So when January came, I was like, you know what? Look at all these arbitrary timeline things. I need, a change. I need to do something. I need something bold and and energetic. Like we got to come with it. I need to do it. And so I cut my hair, uh, cut my dreads, and then 
now my hair's growing back. I don't know what I'm gonna do next. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's it's been feeling good. So I feel like every iteration uh, of of my hairstyles are probably an iteration of of where I am, not just as a writer, but just in general, probably. Mm. I see um, Tabitha has a quote for you. Listen to the work and do what it asks you to do, Cherie. <laughs> oh, man. Out of your books, your essays, your poems, do you have a, a favorite piece or favorite book? Um, that's like asking somebody who their favorite kid is. <laughs> I have a favorite. <laughs> I mean, I, I love them all for different reasons. Yeah. You know, I, I do. I, I truly love them all for different reasons. Mm -hmm. I, I love let them, I love um, Once for Future Lovers because it's my first book ever in the world, um, which it'll be 10 years old next year. Um, a short story collection. I love my first novel because it was my first novel. Mm -hmm. And it is about a functional alcoholic. And so I felt like that book was almost like a fiction foreshadowing for some of the work that I'm doing now in my memoir. Uh, I love, love, love A Return to Arms because it was helping me navigate some really difficult um, feelings of sorrow and rage. Um, it's, it's very much... Um, inspired by the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, mm -hmm. It features, uh, all my books feature Black queer characters. So with uh, A Return to Arms, I was decidedly trying to explore what activism and community looks like uh, in response to you know, state violence, particularly as a Black lesbian woman and how you find your, your place in in a movement that isn't always kind to our intersectional, uh, intersecting identities. And so that book just meant a lot to me personally. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, the Stop Writing Wack Essays, I felt like I've been great in too many, I, <laughs> I've been teaching composition for a long time and I'm like, okay, enough is enough. How can, I, need to help, <laughs> I need to help the babies. And by babies, I mean adults. So like, how crazy is that? But um, yeah, so, and I just had fun writing that book. And that was the first time that I took a project on 100% out of like, just fun and trying to share what I know in this fun way where I had complete uh, creative control and everything. So yeah, I just, I love them all, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Don't get me started with like short stories and stuff. That's you know, I had my first poem published last year. Congrats! Uh, I love it all. I love them mm -hmm. all. I love them all. So I have another challenging. <laughs> uh, what is an accolade, award, an achievement, or fellowship that you're most proud of? That I'm most proud of. Um, I would say. I would say getting, um, I was really, I was really proud to um, get accepted to Yaro, that residency. Uh, it was just a really transformative time for me. Um, 
but then also so two things happened that like so a return to arms was featured in ebony magazine under the um the book section and that blew my mind like uh i was sitting having i think i was having dinner with uh with my wife and somebody like tagged me in a in a facebook post saying hey you know your books in ebony magazine and i was like what and so that was thrilling because then we were just like riding all around town trying to get the copy of the ebony magazine and of course buying mm -hmm. several copies for family um and then um i would say my my first uh kind of my first official essay from my memoir collection which is a piece called bars was um published uh in fourth genre magazine and it didn't it wasn't selected as a best um american essay of 2019 but it was shortlisted so it's listed mm -hmm. in the back along with a lot of other writers that i love and admire so i, I think those are probably the the ones that are sticking out in my mind right now Awesome. Um, but I, I get excited about everything. Though. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's such a joy to be a, a writer and an artist, and to and to think about having your work in the world. Like it's I, it's it's just a joy whenever whenever something happens that helps um, move my art uh, further out beyond myself. I'm always just overjoyed. Absolutely. We have Kaula giving you a book idea. How about do your damn homework book? <laughs> no, I might I might include one. Of, so I got I got a I got a, a second edition of Stop Writing Wack Essays comes out this fall. I have a grammar book coming out this fall called Baddest Out of Your Friends, and I might make a do your damn homework like maybe like a little free ebook or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when you when you get one of the other ones, you can get. This free, you know, this free little book, uh, do your damn homework. <laughs> I, I know, I, I don't know what's the age limit, but uh, my son who's 12, he needs that one. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'll, I'll send Molly all three. <laughs> I'm just like, dude, I mean, oh my God. <laughs> I cannot get him to do his homework. And now that he's in sixth grade and then with the pandemic and virtual schooling, it just got, yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Everything else is, you know, he gets great grades, but when it comes to that homework, mm -mm. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> so June is the month of pride. Um, and I'm curious to know, what does pride mean to you? Uh, pride means showing up as my whole self everywhere every time mm. um, but also um trying to create and hold space for other people to do the same like we should all be able to show up everywhere every time as a hundred percent of who we are mm. that's that's what pride means to me mm. i love that i love that have you ever had any challenges you have to overcome um, by, you know, because you're a black woman or an out black lesbian as it relates to your work or your, you know, what you do? Probably. I mean, you know, I, I think you could attest to this too, Nikki. As, so at some points, it's like 
you build up sort of this this invisible armor to it mm -hmm. and you just do your work mm -hmm. as best you can knowing that anti-blackness is worldwide knowing that as we sit here tonight there are laws and restrictions being put in place for lgbtq uh ia individuals and like that's just what them folks is on and we are making progress when and how we can but it is slow as hell and in the meantime we still got to show up and do our work so i I, I feel like we all navigate those challenges best we can. Sometimes something, you know, gets into a space like clinks through the armor. Or I think of uh, some, some days I, I think of us moving through life like on the Matrix when uh, Neo was like doing all the, the dodging of the bullets that was coming. And yeah. then one, sometimes one hits you and you'd be like, damn. And then you'd be bummed out and disappointed. Mm -hmm. um, so I mean, I, I, certainly they've there's there have been challenges, mm -hmm. but it's like that's you know our whole existence is mm -hmm. is is just you know is plagued by it in a way that sometimes makes it difficult to to do your work. So mm -hmm. um, yeah. have, I think especially as a black person, you have to you know you know, the black community that's super religious that, you know, or family members, it's just like, can you just tone it down? Like, do you have to, you know? You guys not come here being so gay. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, um, I had a very close relative of mine years ago when I used to live in Atlanta and they were fine with me and my sexuality, but they were just kind of like, could you like, not be so much like that when we're around family. Like, this is me. Like turn you know, down the volume on your turn it down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and that's the thing. Like you can think of like really big instances. Mm -hmm. Um like when you look at the fact that you know over I, I, I forget what the what the new stats are, but I, I I'm pretty sure it's something like 90% of public thing is white. Right. So as a writer and you say, have you encountered any challenges as, you know, as it relates to being a black woman, there's a challenge right there with my whole industry. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's probably that in itself is something that I feel when I'm, you know, sitting down to try to do my work or trying to submit my work. Um, you know that that's the case or um the fact that um you know sometimes when you go into um certain activist spaces the folks that's gonna get the microphone is gonna be you know men they they ready to they be ready to talk and then <laughs> the women are doing all the stuff in the background still it's like 2021 right but like um the, those things are there and that's not even counting like the 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 small subtle things that happen and just kind of deflate you um mm -hmm. at random times right i was <laughs> i was at um bed bath and beyond one saturday with my wife and um i happened to be whistling while i was going to get a cart and um <laughs> 
this um this white woman goes oh it's so great to see you happy in your work <laughs> and i was stunned by it like i was completely stunned by it i didn't even know what to say like that's how stunned i was um and it's like <laughs> structural racism and then interpersonal racism mm -hmm. and then structural, you know, kind of just hate and disenfranchisement as a as a black person, as a queer person, as a woman. And then the 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 interpersonal, like all of it all the time. And yeah, it's it can be a lot. That reminded me uh, several years ago I had I was, um, you know, my annual art show. And I wasn't, you know, I have, um, usually I'll have either sometimes someone have it at a table doing the bar or sometimes just free serve. There's wine mm -hmm. classes. I wasn't even behind it in any way. I was a little bit next to a table talking to someone and there was this older white lady and she didn't even look at me. She just like white, you know, like as in like red or white. And I was like, <laughs> glass. Yeah, she, <laughs> she was just like, I was like white. And I was just like, um, I'm the curator, help yourself. <laughs> right, right, right? So it's like on top of on top of knowing yeah. that there are systems in place. There oh are my God. And there's I mean there was nothing it's in there says, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that question is like, yes, of course. How much time yeah. do you have? Exactly. <laughs> you know <laughs> and we have a couple of okay rainbow claps <laughs> um and we have ian hadia oh ian hadia pride is also showing up and holding space for others to show up and be themselves absolutely absolutely and that's what i i, I think for me that's one of the things when i do sometimes get a little in my feelings or subconscious I remind myself that it's not just for me that I'm showing up how I'm showing up. I'm yeah. showing up for someone who's in the closet, someone who their family pressure is allowing them to be, you know, to put them somewhere or make them less mm -hmm. than or feel that way. So, you know, for those of us who have the privilege to be out and the privilege to have a platform and the privilege to make it known, it's just like, hell yeah, we're making known because I'm not just doing it for me. I'm doing mm -hmm. it for others. I'm doing it for young people. I'm doing it for old people, you know? Mm -hmm. So absolutely. We have Lila as uh, Isaac. So true. Absolutely. Um, soul sacrifice. You can't turn down who you are because of someone else's comfort level. Why should you? That part, <laughs> that part right there. Um, all them people doing them and expect you to be other than who you are. Mm -hmm. Or... Uh, there's also the percentage of people who are you, but they, because of their shame, they're like, yeah, don't be you. They're mad at you. They're mad at you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, join me. You ain't got to hey, join me. Yeah, exactly. All, oh, yes. Yeah. And she said, oh, oh, no, she did it. Yes, she did. She, <laughs> she, only, she didn't even look at me. She didn't even consider, like, hmm, I've never been to this space. Maybe I should see. That was crazy. <laughs> uh, there is that inbred racism too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. In your opinion, what is something that may be missing during Pride or the conversation around the LGBT community? 
Um, I don't, I don't feel that we um, create enough space and hold enough space for um, trans individuals to talk about their experiences. I see it in, even in, I see it in the, uh, in the lesbian community a lot, particularly around um, the, the sentiment that trans women are women and they are 100% women. And it's, it's, it's time to, it's really time to, to shift and progress the fight. So what folk, it, it, it reminds me very clearly of, um, of what the, the year that marriage equality uh, came through was the same year that uh, the Charleston Nine massacre happened. Mm. Um, and I was very conflicted about how to feel. I wanted to celebrate the fact that I could now marry the woman I loved, but also nine black people were guns down, right? Mm. I'm both of those things. You can't pick and choose. And so what happened when I was vocal about that conflict is some folks, um, some folks were like, you know, you got to celebrate the wins where you can. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but also, you know what I'm saying? Um, and a lot of folks, I don't know if, if I'm not the first person to say this by any means, but once marriage equality hit, you know, a lot of the white gay men, I mean, they're Gucci. You know, they, they got their husbands, they got their adopted babies. They're folding into life like it's nothing. And then we've got, I feel like, another fight on our hands. Like, we're not done. Mm -hmm. And it means holding space for folks. Like, if you're good, like, I have, I have my wife. We're great. I'm glad that we're married. We're happy. But now there's another fight. So how can I be in support of the folk who don't feel secure and and who don't? And I mean, at any time, this shit can go away too. We get mm -hmm. scary folks in in legislation, and some shit can go away. So mm -hmm. I wish that for Pride, yes, we need to celebrate. Yes, we should be happy for the progress. But we should also be turning a very intentional lens to what other folks in our community are still plagued by and still suffering from and need our support and our help just as much as they did then. You know what I'm saying? So, so much of the history of pride is tied up with, um, you know, black trans women kind of setting the shit off. You know what I mean? So it's like those voices should be at the forefront of pride um, in a way that they're not to me. And mm -hmm. I, would, I would really like to see that more. More of us, sh like, literally shutting up and standing back mm -hmm. and supporting, listening mm -hmm. and supporting as best we can the struggles that are still perpetuated. You know what I'm saying? That that might not, might not have nothing to do with you, mm -hmm. but they have something to do with you. Because like we, like we, we're agreeing, Everybody means everybody. Everyone means everyone. If we all about to get free, we all got to get free. So let's do it. And I feel like that sentiment is missing from this month. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. And that's what equity is, right? The difference mm -hmm. between equality and equity. Some people need a little bit more space. Some people need to drop back a little, you know, like you good. Okay, cool. Help propel someone else. Mm -hmm. so, absolutely. Um, we have T-Pop on YouTube. I'm so late, but enjoying the conversation. Thank you, ladies. Yeah, well, thank you for joining us. Um, well, hey, we're going late, a little late. I'm so appreciative of everyone still rocking out with us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, we have, oh, Ian Hadia. That's why it's so important for us to be ourselves out loud. Art is the vehicle through which we can share the human experience. Mm. I like that. Absolutely. And then we have, let me try to see if I could get the name, Damon. Um, Afro Pride Parade and Music Festival, October 7th through wow. 11th for us by Unapologetically Black Visual Performing and Cultural Arts. Where's that? Where's that? That's going to be in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, I need to get on the road. Yes, yes. I, I think it was either earlier this year or so, I interviewed um, Afro Pride Parade, uh, Afro Pride Federation. So they're doing a, the first black LGBTQ organization in Broward County. So thankfully that we have y'all. Um, thank you, thank you so much. And um, yeah, we I need to describe that. <laughs> yeah, so they have a lot That's of things going on. Um, road trip right there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> What is something you can share with a youth or someone that may help them navigate a challenge that you've had to overcome? Um, I, I would probably say, um, <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> you know who you are. Uh, I was just, mm -hmm. uh, I was just in conversation uh, earlier this week and uh, to, in preparation for a talk, uh, a conversation I'm facilitating on Thursday uh, called Between Two Screens with Second Story. And it's about finding family. Um, and there's gonna be a story by um, a, a trans woman who's um, sharing her journey with uh, wearing a dress for the first time and, mm -hmm. and feeling like she, was finally herself. And I was, I'm so moved by anytime anyone comes into what feels like a, a knowing of themselves. But I also have some sadness around it because I feel like we know who we are, like you know who you are mm -hmm. and you knew who you were before the world got a hold of you and told you everything about your about you is wrong or too much or not enough and i i, I think i would i would share most with young people like you know who you are so so listen to what's in here listen to your heart you know who you are and when you lean into that you're going to find your family you're going to find your community mm. some people going to fall off Mm -hmm. And sometimes them people that fall off are like really close to you and y'all share blood and shit. But guess what? You know who you are. Do that and be that. Mm -hmm. um, you, you'll be happier mm -hmm. every time when you're just who you are. So I feel like that's that's something I'm I'm learning late in life myself. 
Um, I'm in the classroom with you. <laughs> and, the, and the more, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting mm -hmm. in therapy and like the closer and closer I get to like having these grand, you know, realizations about myself, I'm like, I'm who I, I'm who I am this whole time. I've been who I am this whole time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This whole time. And but there's yeah. something to embracing it. Um, I was I was talking to Kyla the other day. She said this thing. I wrote it down. Um, she said you're you, you're moving more towards who you are versus who you were being. Mm. And it was so profound when she said that because we spend so much time like being who our parents want us to be, who the world wants us to be, who this institution wants us to be, like all these things, who our friends want us to be. It's like, just be your damn self, like a hundred percent. And I would tell young people that, cause I'm like, if you wait till you're 40, you're gonna have to spend hundreds of dollars on therapy for somebody <laughs> to tell you that same thing. So <laughs> embrace yourself and love yourself. Absolutely. You know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> I think the other day, I think I think I was talking to Kala and I, and I laughed at myself because I remember being younger and I don't know, I went through this weird phase where I sought out 60s music, whatever have you. So sometimes some of the kids around me would tease me and, you know, and, and you know, call, you know, said I should, should have been, you know, like a flower child, whatever have yeah, you. Yeah. But then there was something that happened last week. And I said, oh, shit, I'm a hippie. <laughs> I thought you've been a hippie this whole time, Nikki. You've been a hippie this whole time. I'm in therapy, too, trying to be comfortable who I am and this and blah, blah. And I was just like, so that's always been me. Shit, yeah. I caught myself. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. They was teasing me about this when I was like 12 or 13. Girl, you a hippie. I'm a nerd. Let's just, let's just, let's just lean into it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I think that, that being yourself too, because that's one of the things like I, I just always had this, like, I hate it sticking out. Yeah. Like, whether I was the only Muslim kid dressing all Muslim gear, whether I was the only gay person in the straight crowd, whether I was the only straight assuming person in the great, in great you know, the gay crowd. Yeah. You know, my Panamanian family called me Jamaican, the Jamaican family called, like I always didn't fit in and just embracing, I wasn't supposed to, like I'm causing my own self anxiety because I've been trying to be something that I wasn't born to be. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we oh I forgot there's a question here. Uh, soul sacrifice. How do you balance the business aspect with the creative flow? Man, yeah. you find out. You tell me. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It's it's difficult. It's difficult. Um, there's there's some days. Uh, all I want to do is read and take notes and journal and research and go down rabbit holes. Um, there's some days I want to go outside and see if some words find me. Um, I want to bird watch. I want to take my telescope out. Like I want to do those things that I know feed me creatively. And then I'll be like, you know, you got to write that kitchen table newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to get on social media for a minute and, and do some of that, do some of that plug-in, um, and that interaction. 
you know you need to work on this grant you know or this application or submit some work or research some journals to submit to uh update your website things like that um it's a constant struggle mm -hmm. to find that balance uh but again i mean i i don't know i just i don't know like i said when you figure it out you tell me because every, I mean, every day i'm trying to find my way through <laughs> I've been exploring, uh, playing around with like scheduling, like Google schedule. Yeah. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. But it's just like that constant, like okay, let me schedule that time that I have to do that thing. It's my planner. <laughs> my planner. <laughs> Got to schedule it. That helps. Scheduling definitely helps. And we have um, uh, Damon saying. Um, I've been so happy and successful after I started living in my truth. So true. Exactly. You better. You so much better when you just be who you are. Mm -hmm. So much better. Yep. And let the chips fall where they may. Let the people drop off. Because guess what? You're going to attract more people who are like, oh, my God, I get you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> T-Bob said, rainbow snaps and an amen. <laughs> Word. That's okay, flower child. I'm aware though, so I've been called. Yeah, that too. Yeah, uh, I'll be that. Yeah, embracing those things. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> what is the Kitchen Table Literary Arts Center, and what inspired you to create that space? Um, so, Kitchen Table Literary Arts is inspired by Kitchen Table Press, which was uh, founded in 1980 uh, by Barbara Smith and Sheree Moringa, and um, they uh, were publishing black and uh, women of color poets and writers when nobody else was. And so we kind of, as an organization, in, were inspired by that work. And so our a lot of our work is centered on showcasing and supporting black women and women of color poets and writers. Um, we started because we were trying to uh, find and build community. So that, that kind of aspect of, you know, the, the folks you're looking for are looking for you. Just start this, kind, this, this beautiful, you know, dance of, of starters and joiners. And so I had it in me to start with uh, an incredible team, Slam Anderson, who is a uh, poet and writer. Um, Jasmine Smith is our financial director. Um, started it with me. We went all in and then folks were like, oh shit, I've been looking for y'all. And so we 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 go ahead and rock out. We do a book clubs called a community conversation. We actually have one this Saturday. It's our year of Afrofuturism. Mm. And so we uh, read Octavia Butler's Dawn. And so we're talking about that on Saturday. Uh, we've done this. Uh, it's called Community Conversations. You don't have to have read the book. You could just tune in and, and talk about some of the themes and stuff with us. It's um, facilitated by uh, Silk Jasmine Hindus, who is also in the In Tandem show, who is also an incredible, um, incredible speculative fiction writer. Uh, she facilitates those conversations for us as well as design some of our coursework. We have college level writing courses specifically for black women and women of color writers and poets. We have workshops that are open to all writers. Uh, we have um, an online community that you can join and just 
you know, do writing challenges and, and critique each other's work. And um, yeah, we, yeah, we do it. We, uh, we suspended our retreat. We have a getaway retreat that we do once a quarter. It's called the getaway. We uh, have a partnership with um, uh, Airbnb called Beaches and Books, uh, owned by uh, another incredible writer, Adrian Julius Butler. And uh, she's been a facilitator for Kitchen Table for a couple years too, but she opened up her business to us. And so we did, we did um, retreats once a quarter, black women, women of color writers is coming together for the weekend and writing and supporting each other through that work. So uh, now that um, the world's opening up a little bit, we're gonna look into how we can bring that back, but that's who we are and how we, uh, and, and, how we started and, and the work we do and I'm, I'm just i'm incredibly grateful for the team i have and also the support that that we have so it's it's been beautiful absolutely and i have the ticker kitchen-table.org right to put some links in the comments section um really? we have uh jasmine says we write here. right here <laughs> we right here and Anastasia said, I miss sips and stories. When is the kitchen table going to launch that again? So we do that every fall. Sips and stories is our short story club. And um, it, it, it was inspired by my wife, Jasmine, by uh, her, her, one of her best friends um, who was like, I'll be reading whole books. Why we always got to read a whole book? And so we're like, well, we'll read short stories. And so we literally read a short story and then have drinks and talk about it. So uh, the tagline is read the story, meet for drinks. We did it virtually uh, through the pandemic season. Uh, so we're thinking of bringing it back in person this fall. So we'll have to see Nastasia how that looks to kind of keep that virtual component. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep you posted, but that's a, that's a fall program. So that'll be coming back uh, in October. Nice. And whenever you get this stuff, you know, let me know and I'll share it out on, you know, the page. Perfect. Thank so, you. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, you know, curious to check that out as well. That's nice. excellent. Yes. What is one thing people may not know about you that you're comfortable sharing, of course? <laughs> one thing that people may not know about me. Um, I don't know. The uh, first thing that, first thing that came to mind, um, is how much I love sandwiches. <laughs> I really, 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 really do. I love sandwiches so much. They're so perfect. Um, yeah, I love sandwiches. But, hmm. I mean, that's a good one too. Yeah, so. I love sandwiches. And I, I, and I take po very possibly the longest baths known mm. to humankind like i get in the bathtub and it's gonna be a long while like <laughs> that's one of my favorite places in the world is in somebody's bathtub absolutely so. uh, i agree with that one uh, <laughs> i put I, I i put the water as hot as i can yes it cools off i gotta let it out put uh -huh. some hot water <laughs> yep if you if you don't if you're not getting in the tub like this <laughs> it ain't got enough. <laughs> yeah, 
um, Soul Sacrifice said, yes, want to check it out. So yeah, we did um, put the website up there and I'll send you the link as well um, to check that out. How can people connect to you or and support your work? Uh, there's so many ways. Uh, ShereeLGreer.com is probably the easiest and most straightforward. Um, I have links there to my uh, to Kitchen Table Literary Arts, and you can connect with us there. I also have links there to uh, my publishing company, where uh, called Ain't No Extra Credit, where I published the student writing book and the uh, grammar guide, and I got some other titles that are yet to be announced. Um, there's also a link to my Patreon page where. I uh, create a lot of content. Uh, the, it's basically a chronicling of my journey as a as an artist and a writer. Um, so you could check me out there as well. All those links are are through uh, shereelgreer.com. I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, and that's my capacity for social media at at the moment. And that's all Sheree L. Greer too. So you find me there. Awesome, awesome. And we have um, Damon asking, are you a Virgo just trying to do something? <laughs> do you get a nerve? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> wow, that's good. <laughs> I don't know why you wanted to ask. My, uh, yeah, I am a Virgo. I am a, a Virgo sun sign and a Sagittarius moon. And um, yeah, I'm smack in the middle of Virgo too. Not, you know, ain't on no cusps. I'm right, right, right there. That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. Do say trying to see something. Oh, <laughs> you said artistic perfectionist. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. 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 <laughs> uh, oh, she said, I can't hear anymore. Huh? Uh -oh. Is there anyone else who can't hear that? Or is it a, a periscope thing? So I don't know if there's anyone who cannot hear us right now, I guess. If they can't hear us, how they, <laughs> if they can't hear how they go say they can't hear. That's funny. Yeah. So um, I I posted in the comments. So, um, but I don't know. I have Damon. I think he. Uh, oh, he says I hear fine. Oh, maybe okay. it's a periscope thing. Yeah, it might be a periscope thing. So. Oh, I can now. Okay, so it might have been just something with Periscope. Um, yeah, I hear fine. Okay, thank you, thank you. Absolutely. So I know you mentioned baths. Do you have any other self-care practices? Oh, I have so many. Because as a Virgo perfectionist, <laughs> as, a, as a, a creative perfectionist, I have to... Um, I have to, to, to ease the anxiety and the worry um, and, and some of the, the internal critique and pressure. Uh, so I am 
Again, a huge fan of long baths with music and candles. I really romance myself. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I uh, enjoy walking. Um, I love going to parks. I love going to the beach. I love being outside. Um, I go for runs, which are also to help bring my blood pressure down, but I've come to like just really enjoy the the activity of it, the the push of it, the challenge of it, uh, the exhaustion of it, the physical exhaustion of it, um, the goal setting and, and things too, which then can get me caught back up in the Virgo shit. So then I got to reel it back. Um, I also, I, I am a um, amateur bird watcher and an uh, and amateur astro astronomer. So I love, um, I, I got a, a really amazing telescope from my family for my 40th birthday. I named it Octavia. And sometimes I, I take her out and I look at stars and try to, you know, I'm teaching myself to um, identify constellations. So all of those things are, are part of getting myself outside, clearing my mind, um, kind of having a beginner's mind, learning something um, mm -hmm. that can take some of the pressure off and, and, and something too that can be playful. So mm -hmm. those are, those are all things I like, I like to do. Those are awesome. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing those. Um, I like the astronomer. That's, you know, I, I used to love watching the stars. I don't, you know, yeah, I'm, younger. I'm, I'm hardcore. Like I, I set alarms for celestial events. So mm -hmm. if it's gone, they're like, yes, um, you'll be able to see Venus in the pre-dawn skies. I'd be like, what, like four o'clock? And I'll set an alarm <laughs> so I can go outside and see and see uh, Venus. And then I'll I'll ask my wife, I'm like, you want to see Venus? And she'd be like, about it. So she stays sweet. Sometimes she humors me. I'd be like, yo, you gotta come outside and look at the moon. Mars is like right next to the moon. And she'll come outside and she'll be like, oh, that's so amazing. Okay, honey. And then she goes in the house. So, um, but yeah, but yeah, get into it, man. It's beautiful up there. Get into it. Mm -hmm. uh, I see. So, uh, love it. So, yeah, absolutely. If you had access to a time machine, where would you go and why? Past or the future? Oh, oh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't really want to go back too far, you know what I'm saying? Because things can get pretty, pretty hectic and and uh, restrictive. Um, but I also don't know that I want to go too far in the future because, you know, folks is killing the planet. And I'd be thinking about like a future with like no trees and, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe... I feel like I might have had, I, I would probably maybe go to the 60s or 70s, but purely to party. Like, to, to like, I don't know, to have, a, uh, to have a van and be a poet and live in like um, Venice Beach or something. Like, I don't know. I, I would want to go someplace to have a good time. So, mm, okay. Um, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. That's a, that's a good one. Get some of those uh, carpeted. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, live in, live in my van, write poems, mm -hmm. um, 
wear, you know, fringe vests with 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 no undershirt with like side boob and stuff so I can get all <laughs> lady. Yeah, I think I'd do something like that. <laughs> Absolutely. That's awesome, awesome, awesome. Oh my gosh, this is I know this was yeah, so we, we, have yeah we went over, yeah. over, over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um but I'm just so grateful to to know you, to have worked with you, to know what you're up to, to know what you represent and what you're doing and planning on doing. So I'm just really grateful to have you on here for the 30 minute show that turned to hour and a half. <laughs> I know I'm gonna I'm come out the office and my wife's gonna be like, I you thought said 30 you said 30 minutes. minutes. <laughs> you said 30 minutes. So I um, know, you know what? I, I you know, and I wonder like, should I make it an hour? Because a, a lot of, you know, sometimes it depends, but it's just like the energy, the flow. Yeah, you, you know, want to work with it. Yes. Yeah, I mean, so, people engaged and stuff. Yeah, I can feel that. But yeah, so as long as people are on, you know, my guest is fine. My yeah, watch, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, it was wonderful. I'm, I'm thankful that you invited me. I'm glad we had this time together. I'm thankful for everybody who tuned in. And um, I look forward to us working together some more. So yeah, let's do it. So yeah, just thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Absolutely. You're welcome. Absolutely. It was great. To have, you know, it's definitely great to have you here. And so, and if I did put in the comments, if anyone wants to uh, connect with Cherie, uh, uh, she's on Facebook, her website, ShereeLGreer.com. She also has uh, kitchen-table.org. So definitely go and check her out. Um, Oh, so sad. the beauty of having your own. Absolutely. <laughs> this is amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so thank much. You. Um, so definitely check her out. Um, once we get some more links, I would put them under the comment section on Facebook and on YouTube. Unfortunately, we can't put comments on Periscope. Um, oh, Ian Hadia, happy pride. Absolutely. Happy pride. <laughs> um, so, um, but you could go to Facebook you could go to YouTube and you could see um, the information there. And so definitely go check her out, support her stuff, buy her books. Um, yeah, share this, you know, you might know somebody who's a writer that might get inspired, somebody who may want to get into writing. Um, you know, you could be that catalyst to um, inspire someone to do something different, to try something different. So please, um, Will do. Thank you. Please consider sharing this <clears throat> with uh, your community, your family, your friends. Um, definitely please share this out. Um, we have, oh, what, let me see. Oh, Damon, awesome circle. I, it felt warm. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, man. And, and that's a really beautiful comment to hear, Damon, because we were right. just talking about, you know, initially the circle was, it's in my home studio and I would have the artists there. But with the COVID and pandemic, we had a shift and some people felt like, oh, you know, there's not that, you don't get that interaction between two people in person. So I'm really, and she was like, we gonna bring it tonight. <laughs> yeah, I said, we gonna try to recreate it virtually as much as possible. Yeah, so I, I feel like that was definitely an affirming comment that um, we did that. So um, if you love this programming, 
and you want to check out more about who, what I do, what I'm up to, please go to whatsyourelephant.org. You could also go to Linktree slash Nikki Lopez 19. Um, What's Your Elephant has a lot going on. So um, there, we're about to start two very large um, What's Your Elephant art making conversation series. One is going to be in partnership with the YMCA, um, which Cherie's doing some writing and editing on. I'm working with Kaula. I'm working, you know, Notre Dean. Um, I'm also working with Alana da Costa. And um, there's going to be a What's Your Elephant series focused on social justice. And that series is supported by the Community Foundation of Broward. I also have my annual art show coming up next month, What's Your Elephant? And I'm going to be doing a series focused specifically on LGBTQ issues. I'm partnering with Afro Pride. I'm partnering with Black Lesbian Archive. I'm partnering with, you know, Ujima Collection, uh, Men's Collective, and a couple other people. And so, you know, please, there's going to be a call to artists. There's going to be some virtual programs, some hybrid in-person program. So definitely stay tuned to whatsyourelephant.org for more information. If you want to find out, if you want to buy a t-shirt, <laughs> Um, but definitely uh, check check us out, check me out. Um, and, you know, this also will be on your favorite podcast. So whether it's Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, this broadcast will be there so you could easily share it, listen to it again. There's lots of jewels. I think it was um, uh, Soul Fire, um, Soul Sacrifice, who said there's lots of jewels in this, and there absolutely is. Um, Cherie, do you have any final words? <laughs> no. It's, um, yeah, just a wonderful evening. Um, love yourself and love others. That's all I got. Mm. <laughs> and on that note, I will see you all next month. Good night. Peace. <laughs> Peace. Peace.